1: there, welcome to Kitchen Prescription, a podcast you listen to and you don't know what to make for dinner. I hope you've all had a fantastic week and that you're finding yourselves falling into routine and a groove. We definitely are starting to feel that around here. And it is just what I have needed. I am so into February. <laughs> In addition to everyone being back in school, we're now a few weeks into some of our winter sports, and it kind of feels weird to call baseball a winter sport or say those two things in the same sentence, but I guess that's one of the benefits of living in Southern California. So baseball in February, we are in it, and as Ollie has gotten older, he'll be 10 this year, sports schedules are getting a bit more intense, and I know a lot of you can relate to this, but he's now got... Three practices a week, at least, in addition to games. So it is full most nights of the week, I am dancing around some sort of extracurricular. And I hear from so many of you who ask questions about how to manage dinner with kids' extracurricular schedules. And I'm really beginning to feel your pain as I looked at our family calendar. This will be our first week of three practices on Monday, Wednesday, Friday, plus a game on Saturday. So as I planned meals for the week, I kept that in mind and thought I'd pass along some suggestions or insights that I plan to implement to keep things under control this week, and honestly, so I don't just become so frustrated, because it's great. I'm thrilled to have kids participating in things, but it can make family dinner that much more challenging. So first of all, I have found that sticking to a set dinner time, regardless of schedules, is the best thing for keeping my mind organized. So whoever's home eats, and whoever isn't will eat later, and I'll make an effort to sit down and chat when they're there. It's just too difficult to move the time that we eat around and then I never know, you know, am I prepping at the right time? It just gets confusing. So that's been really, really helpful for me in the past and I'm going to stick to that this week. So regardless of who's home, we're going to sit down at 530 because I know that's when my younger kids need to eat and when my boys get home later, then we will do our best to sit down and and just roll with it. Now, second, don't forget the two tips we discussed when we chatted with Betsy a few episodes ago. Don't underestimate the power of a 200 degree oven and aluminum foil to keep food warm when you don't have everyone all home at once. And that really goes a long way. Rather than trying to coordinate, you know, when to put something in the oven, just make it, just make it for when you would typically serve it. And if you want to, whether it's a toaster oven or your Regular oven, whatever it may be, pop that at 200 degrees, cover it with some foil, and call it good. I think that's that's a really great kind of system to follow to serve warm food. I like to set the table for everyone regardless of who is home. So when I start setting the table, I set out a placemat and a plate for everyone in the family, even if I know they're going to be later than everyone else. That way, once my son comes in at 730 It's one less thing I have to scramble to do, pulling out a plate, grabbing a napkin, grabbing silverware, and it's just there. And it seems so small, but I think that that's just one little trick that kind of helps me feel like I've got this. So wish me luck as we move into the season of crazy extracurriculars. Here are a few recipes that you can throw into your meal plan this week. First, we're going to start with a recipe club recipe. This is a recipe club February recipe, and it is crispy sheet pan pizza, and it is so simple, and I've got to be honest here. I have never been a fan of making pizza on a sheet pan. I've thought, well, there's all these fancy pizza ovens now. I either got to own one of those pizza ovens, or I need to just go to the local pizzeria and let the pros do the job. But let me tell you, when we voted for Recipes for Recipe Club, I was shocked. This was by far the most requested February recipe. And I thought, I got to figure this out. So it was like almost like a little science experiment for me where it's like, how do I get at-home pizza, not even on a pizza stone, just straight up on a sheet pan to be crispy and delicious and not overly doughy or soggy? And I'm actually very impressed with the results. It's delicious. So this is a great recipe. Some great tips in there about making sure your dough comes to room temperature, docking the center of it, how to properly stretch it, and then my favorite combination of all time when it comes to pizza toppings. I love it. So that's one thing we're going to be making this week. Second roasted tomato soup with pesto and cheesy croutons. And if you wanted to skip the cheesy croutons, I'm not going to be mad if you make a grilled cheese sandwich, but I know that was in our lineup last week. There's just only so many weeks of the year that soup and sandwich like that Just is perfect for early February, and this recipe is so loved by my kids. So it's written with these cheesy croutons, they're almost like croutons that are miniature grilled cheese bites. But the other thing that I do that my kids really like in this recipe is I'll make the roasted tomato soup with pesto, and then I will make some orzo separately. And then I'll spoon the soup in their bowls and I'll top it off with the orzo. And they think that is great. And then for my picky eater, she's not going to eat the soup, but she will eat the plain orzo. So that's something to keep in mind. And one of the reasons I wanted to include a soup this week is I think this is a great time of year to start freezing some extra meals and soup is so great for that. So I'm going to challenge myself to make a double batch of this and I'm going to serve one batch to my family and I'm going to freeze the other batch. And I thought I'd throw that out there in case you want to get a few freezer meals stocked in your freezer as well. This third recipe is also one that I'm going to double up and freeze. And this one has got such a good story attached to it. I've been making it for years and I first made it on Food Network Star in 2008. So however many years ago that was. And if you watched the show, we're going way back here. This was the recipe I made when Martha Stewart was a judge, and we were supposed to make something. It was a mystery guest. We didn't know who the guest was going to be, but you were supposed to put yourself in a jar and make something with this product. You know, it was like a challenge. And so I had come up with this all-in-one sauce because I want, you know, I was trying to pitch... Easy cooking for everyone, from college students to home cooks at home with kids and all of that. And I had this idea to make Sloppy Joes because who doesn't love a Sloppy Joe? And now, granted, if I had known Martha Stewart was going to be the mystery guest, I probably wouldn't have prepared Sloppy Joes for her. But I did, and I used this sauce, and it was so funny. When she got to my table to try it and I said, I've made you a sloppy joe, she asked for a fork and I'll never forget. (laughs) And I didn't have one. Of course I didn't have one. Oh my gosh. It was so embarrassing. And this was my moment with Martha. Oh, it's really funny. But she did admit to saying it tasted delicious. So I didn't win that challenge, but the Sloppy Jane sliders have lived on. And the reason they're called Sloppy Jane versus Sloppy Joe is because they're made with ground turkey and they're a little sweeter than a traditional Sloppy Joe mix. And oh my gosh, they're so good. They're so good. And it freezes fantastic. You can use ground turkey. You can use ground beef. You can use ground pork. It's really versatile. We're going to double it up. Um, and I'll just stick it in the freezer so that we've got some meals on hand. All right, there are your recipes for the week. Earlier this week, I called for listener questions for a mailbag or Q&A episode for the podcast. You guys were amazing, totally showed up and delivered, and I am excited to answer a few of your questions today. Now, if you ever have a question for me and you would like to call in and possibly be featured on the podcast, you can call 818 583 7686, and we'll also put the number in the show notes. Or you can send me a voice memo over DM on Instagram, and that works great too. All right, let's get into our first voicemail.
0: Hey, Kelsey, I'm calling because one of my biggest pet peeves in the kitchen is my kids snacking right before we eat dinner, especially while I'm actually cooking the meal. I feel like more often than not, By the time we get to the table, they're not even hungry because of the snacking. Any advice? Thanks.
1: Boy, oh boy, do I feel you on this question. I have been there. I am there. I am with you when it comes to snacking right before dinner being one of my biggest pet peeves. It drives me crazy crazy. And there's a couple of things I've done that have helped. And hopefully this will help you as well. First of all, I ended up moving our dinner time up by about 30 minutes. It was such a problem for a while there that I I was going to lose my mind. I was so mad because I was going to the effort of making this dinner for everyone. And every time I turned around, someone had grabbed a bag of pretzels or a string cheese. And it's like, wait, just wait. We're so close. We're so close. So we bumped our dinner time up to 530 instead of six o'clock. And I think if you have younger kids, I, I think that that is one thing that you just have to deal with is they tend, they have earlier bedtimes and I think they get hungry a little earlier. So that's one thing that really helped. The other thing that's helped for us is because we have... I mean, we don't have a walk-in pantry. I mean, heaven help me. I would give anything for a walk-in pantry. And someday, I will once again have a walk-in pantry. But we have more like a cabinet pantry, right? Um, But the kids have access to it. And I don't mind them having access to it. Especially my older two where I try and get them to participate in making their lunches. But we do have a rule where after school snacks are refrigerator snacks and i think that really helps so i've kind of gotten my kids out of the habit of going to the cabinet pantry after school they know that they can have anything in the fridge because for me if they're grabbing something in the fridge it's likely nutrient dense it's a little bit better for them and it's not you know empty calories and chips and fruit snacks and whatever so That's another thing you could think about saying after five o'clock or after four o'clock, we just have refrigerator snacks and sometimes they don't want the refrigerator snack, right? So that's, I'd start with the refrigerator snack and bumping up dinner time 30 minutes. The other thing I'm going to suggest, and this is somewhat in partnership with another tip I've given in the past, but when I'm preparing dinner for my family, I always pull out especially for my two youngest, my 5-year-old and my 2-year-old, two kid plates. And I set them right in front of my cutting board where I'm prepping. And as I'm putting the ingredients together, I add things to their plate. Cuz lots of times, like tonight, I made a dinner that had bell peppers in it. And I cooked the bell peppers in the oven, but my girls prefer the bell peppers raw. And so I added the bell peppers Directly onto their plate as I was beginning to cook. So, if I were to see my five year old come in the kitchen 15 minutes before we were going to eat, and if she was really hungry, then I could say, Okay, you can have something on your dinner plate. So, that's another idea. I really love that tip of pulling out the kid plates as you're cooking, as opposed to scrambling at the last minute if you know they're not going to eat the exact meal that you're preparing for everybody. And that might help as well. But good luck. I think this is a stage of life thing. It just is what it is. It's a little tricky, but hopefully those tips will help you out just a bit. All right, on to the next question.
0: Hi, Kelsey. My name is Megan. I had a question for you about freezer meals. I am wanting to freeze a few meals and keep them on hand in my freezer. Do you have any recipe suggestions? Um, And I also want to know what containers you like to use for your freezer meals, and if there's any that work better
1: than others. I'm just hoping to have freezer meals for easy weeknight dinner solutions. Thanks so much. What a great question. I think that as a home cook, when you can start to view your freezer as like this incredible resource in your kitchen for, it's like, it's like that saying that my, you know, my today self is going to do something that my future self is going to think. Doubling recipes when you have the bandwidth for it and sticking something in the freezer, you're going to save yourself a lot of heartache. lot of heartache. So let's talk about this. Well, we've already mentioned two in this episode, the tomato soup and the sloppy joes, but let's explore that a little bit. So soups, stews, chilies, those things are almost always going to freeze great. The one thing I'm going to suggest is that if you're making a soup recipe or a stew recipe for that matter, that has a noodle in it, or pasta, or something like that, or even maybe grain like rice, then I might leave that out and cook that independently when you're actually going to serve it, and then just stir it in at the end. Because whether it's pasta or rice or whatever, it can absorb liquid, and once it reheats it, the texture can kind of get funky. So that's the only real tip for soups, stews, and chilies I'd keep in mind, but beans and ground meat and all that stuff... Freeze is great. It freezes so fantastic. Now, when it comes to what containers to store soups, stews, and chilies in, I'm actually a big fan of storing those in a bag—a gallon-sized, you know, resealable bag. Now, if that means you're you want to purchase the disposable Ziploc-type bags, great. Whatever it takes. Or there are some great options of reusable. Plastic or silicone gallon sized bags that you can get to store those things in. It's maybe a little awkward once you're pouring it in, but I like to do it in a big bowl. I'll stick my gallon sized bag in there, use a ladle to get it in, seal it up if you can, get as much air out of it. And then what's great about this is it stores flat. So I typically will take a sheet pan and lay it flat on the sheet pan and stick that in the freezer, let it freeze through. And if you've got a couple soup stews or chilies in your freezer, you can almost stack them right next to each other. And it's the most space efficient way to have those things in your freezer. But I do have some stored in quart containers and things like that. But I really think the gallon size bag, that's the way to go because, like I said, it's just the most space-efficient way to do it. Now, another thing that's going to freeze well is something like a baked dish, like a casserole almost, like I have frozen in my freezer a baked ziti and the broccoli cheddar bake from Recipe Club. And if you know that you're going to want one night where you literally just pull that thing out and it goes into the oven, then I have found a really great nine x 13 that has a lid and you can just store that in your freezer. So I'm going to link all of the products in the show notes. Like if you're going to freeze the baked ziti, First of all, there's instructions on how to freeze it on my website. But if you're going to freeze it, I think you have the best result if you can remember to pull it out either the night before or the morning of and let it just hang out in the fridge for the day. I have done it frozen. But I if you can if you can avoid it I wouldn't. You have to cook it almost twice as long. So try and remember to pull that out and at least let it sit on the countertop for, oh gosh, minimum 20-30 minutes. But if you can, put it in your fridge. Hopefully those are some good suggestions for you. I would definitely start with soups, stews, and chilies, and then I would move on to baked dishes like a baked ziti or a baked casserole. And then maybe consider um, if you have or ground um, meat. Like I've done my My uh, tacos, my chili lime tacos, that taco meat freezes fantastic. So that would be another great thing to freeze. All right. Good luck with that. Hi, Kelsey. My
0: freezer is a mess. It's always full of frozen chicken breasts and
1: popsicles and half-used bags of hash browns. And I know that you've been really helpful in the past of sharing tips for organizing a pantry, and a fridge. I would love your advice on how to clean up my freezer. Thanks so much. Isn't this the truth? I swear the pantry and the refrigerator get all of the love when it comes to talking about organization and nobody wants to talk about the freezer. But I don't know about you guys, sometimes my freezer is the biggest mess. It's the biggest mess. So this is such a great question. So let's talk about how to approach organizing a freezer. The first thing I'm going to tell you is I am giving you permission right here and right now. Toss out anything that has been in there far too long or you know you're not going to use. Now, if you have a place to donate it, all the better. Great. All I'm saying is do not keep it in there for the sake of just keeping it in there. Get rid of it. Get rid of it. Secondly, Your freezer is going to be a different size than my freezer. And what's most important is that you take the time to measure it. Now, if you're like, Kelsey, I am not going to do that. Fine. Don't get the bins. But promise me, you'll do the labeling. Now, there's a couple things you can do. First of all, they sell freezer tape, which is just, looks like masking tape, but you can just get it and write with a Sharpie on it. And whether that's labeling a shelf for veggies and protein, uh, frozen fruit, uh, popsicles or desserts, whatever it may be, just label it because it's so easy for it to get out of control, especially when all of the members of your household are pulling things out and putting them back in. I have used a couple of different labels in the freezer, um, and I've had great success with it. So Don't be afraid of doing a labeling system in your freezer. But before you even get that far, I want you to look at what's in your freezer. I want you to identify what it is that you use. Maybe you are a family that has lots of frozen waffles or you make a big batch of pancakes and you freeze the pancakes. Dedicate a space for it so that it's there all the time. It goes to the same place every single time and identifying what you need space for in your freezer and what you don't need space for that's going to make the biggest difference. I have had really good luck in my pullout freezer with using the all-purpose container at Container Store. They're cheap, like seven bucks. Super cheap. But like I said, I don't want you to get too hung up on that because it's totally going to depend on the shape and size of your freezer. So if you do want to buy bins, whether you're going to go to Target or Container Store or order off of Amazon, just take a measuring tape. To your freezer so that you're not having to return things. But I think it's a great idea. Prioritize your freezer, and you are going to thank yourself later. That's it for our episode today. I hope you enjoyed the mailbag format and getting to hear from some listeners. If you have any questions for me, I would love to answer them, especially on the podcast, either via DM on Instagram. You can send an email or you can call in specifically to the hotline 818-583-7686. And remember that new episodes will drop every Thursday. In the meantime, you can follow me on Instagram, join Recipe Club, where we're cooking up a storm, or you can sign up for my family meal makeover course if you need some help organizing your kitchen. It would mean the world to me if you'd rate and review this podcast so that others who are stuck trying to decide what to make for dinner can find it. All right, you guys, thank you so much, and I will look forward to chatting with you next week.